The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Of course, I'm Craig Carton, and for the next 30 minutes, a frank, open, and honest conversation about gambling addiction. We espouse no particular beliefs on gambling addiction or the fact that many of you can gamble responsibly, recreationally, nor do we espouse a specific belief about the best cure for the problem. The idea of this show is to just be honest, to be open and talk about what can happen when someone you know or love is a gambling addict. And as always, joining me from the uh, Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, better known to you guys out there as 800Gambler, our friend Dan Trelaro. Danny, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, Craig. Good morning. Counting down the days left in February. Not too many left. Yeah, we got one more day to go. And then March, which brings up a whole new set of circumstances for gamblers, of course, which we'll get to next month. You know, we've spent a lot of time talking to folks like you and myself who are the gamblers. We have not spent a lot of time talking to their loved ones. And I'm very uh, happy to be able to have a man named Bob joining us today. Bob is not a compulsive gambler. However, Bob has a son who is. And I thought it was important for our audience to hear the perspective of a father trying to figure out how to save his son and all the emotional roller coasters that a family goes through when they try to come to terms with the fact that they have a loved one who happens to be a compulsive gambler. Bob, good morning, and thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, and and thank you for having me uh, on the show. I have to tell you, this is not an easy conversation. Uh, it's brought up a lot of emotion just thinking about talking about this, but I think it's really important that parents understand some of the signs they should look for and hear my story. Uh, and maybe even the compulsive gambler, once they know how they affect the family, maybe that would affect them also. Sure. Well, we, we really very much appreciate you coming on. I, I respect that it's a very tough conversation because you know, were talking about your son who you love dearly. How long ago did you or your family start thinking that there was something, maybe not gambling, but that there was something going on, and how did it manifest itself with your son and your relationship? Well, you know, it, it seemed like something that you really don't think of, but we noticed a lot of scratch-offs in his car, and uh, that should have been a sign to us. But again, you know, they're so common and so easy to get and use. Uh, we didn't think much of it, but because there were so many of them, that should have been a signal to us. But, you know, like most parents, we were in denial. Did you ever ask him, hey, what's going on with the scratch-offs? Not really. Uh, you know, we really didn't uh, think too much of it at the time. Again, uh, we were really in denial. You know, how could our son be a, a gambler? Sure, sure. Especially uh, he's underage, yes or no? Well, at, at the time, I'm talking probably about 10 years ago, he probably was about 17, 16 or 17 at the time. Got it. So when did you and your family first come, find out that he had a problem with gambling or that gambling was an issue in his life beyond finding scratch-off? Was there a moment, a tangible moment, when he either came to you or you guys discovered our son has a problem? Big time. Uh I remember lying in bed. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. We got a phone call. He was down uh, in Maryland going to school, and uh, he was in a panic, saying he thinks he's going to kill himself. 
he ran up a tremendous debt gambling. He doesn't know what to do. Uh, my wife and I, we were in the car by three o'clock in the morning and down there um, by eight. And uh, we uh, got to him and went out to breakfast and started the conversation uh, to find out that he really had this problem. And when you had that, that breakfast, did he say, was there a specific type of gambling he was doing or was it any kind of gambling? It was sports gambling with a bookie. And I assume at that point in his life, he healed the bookie money, I imagine, yeah? Yeah, a great deal of money, yes. Got it. So when you guys are driving down to Maryland and have really know nothing about what's going on other than your son called for help, I got to imagine that's the worst car drive you ever took. I didn't know if he was going to be alive. Uh, you know, he was so despondent. He he was so depressed. He was, he was so down. Uh, it was like a parent's worst nightmare. So you get there, you have breakfast, he now kind of comes clean. I'm going to guess he probably didn't tell you everything at that breakfast, uh, but did tell you that he owed people money, yeah? Yes. Uh, he, he didn't, and of course, he said, this is the end of it. I'll never do this again. Uh, and, you know, we've heard that too many times. Sure. Let me go to Dan real quick here. Dan, the half-truths, it's, it's a good start for sure. I don't want to minimize the fact that, you know, you know, picking up the phone and making that call isn't a great first step because I do believe that it is. But that seems very common that you're not willing to tell the whole truth right away because there must be some part of our brain that thinks, well, we're going to figure it out and get out of it, right? Yeah, you know, we hear that a lot. And, Bob, you know, thank you so much for, for starting to share here and, and talking about your son. We hear that a lot. You know, the, the gambler will admit to maybe what they feel the other party can tolerate or understand. And they're going to minimize the damage it's causing because, Craig, to your point, that they think that they can still figure this out. They're going to admit, they're going to, admit to something that's going on. But it's very rare that you have a gambler experiencing problems that, that tells you everything right from the jump. I mean, it, it just almost never happens. So that's why we always say when the gambler tells you they lost, they owe 5000 they probably owe somewhere north of 10000 Right. So, Bob, when you first, uh, this first time that, you know, your son comes and talks to you and you guys address it, um, what, what were the steps that were taken after that? Because you can't control him. He's not living in the home with you and your wife and your family. What were, what were the next few months like in regards to his gambling and your being aware of it? Well, to tell you the truth, my wife and I thought we uh, fixed the problem. You know, what we had to do was just pay off, you know, the debts. And he learned his lesson and uh, we can move on. So let me ask you this. It's going to be a tough question. Did you guys get in contact directly with the people he owed money to? Or did you ask him how much and basically just help him out, and he paid them off? He paid them off. Got it. And you, to your knowledge, he gambled again after that, I assume, yeah? Oh, many times. Many times. Uh, this conversation uh, actually became uh, part of our communication. Uh, every few months, uh, he would give us a call and say, uh, I'm doing it again. Uh, I'm upset. Actually, I think there may have been a year break where he didn't gamble. I'm not sure because you never know. Parents never know. Uh, no one knows. Like Dan said, it's a real cover-up. Did there come a point when you guys said to him, 
we're not bailing you out anymore? Almost like a tough love type of reaction? Well, here's the really tough part. Uh, A little over two months ago, my wife passed away. Uh, All the kids, we were all around her when she passed away. That night, he put his hand through a door and gambled indiscriminately and lost thousands of dollars on that night when his mother passed away. And that's, that wasn't long ago. And thankfully through Dan, uh, you know, we found a place, Algamas to send him to. And he didn't want to go. He was, he said, this is the worst time for me to leave the house. My mother just passed away. He was almost in between jobs. He was interviewing for another job. He kept on saying, I can't do it now. It's impossible. And I said, this is it. We're drawing the line in the sand. You have to do it. You have to do it. And my sons, my other two sons were on board. A very close friend of his came over the house and talked to him about it. He was going to see a counselor at the time, and the counselor also told him this was the best thing to do. And up until the day that he left, he was fighting us on it, but he went. I actually spoke to him the night before he left because I went to the same place. Uh, Rick Benson's the founder of Algamas. And Algamas changed my life. Uh, and I'm glad to know we got on that plane and went. Um, you know, it's the first time for me that I was willing to say out of my own mouth, I'm a compulsive gambler. I've got a problem. And I don't think if I went there, I would have been able to say it, at least in the time frame that I did say it. And I obviously lost everything. So I'm glad to get on that plane now. Have you seen a difference in, in talking to him? Does he seem like he's at least fully honest about the problems that he has? You know, there's no way to really know, Uh, and that's the scary part of this gambling addiction. Uh, He says he's doing well, um, and I have to believe it. But there are other parts of his life because they were triggers, and stress seemed to be his trigger. And uh, he seems to be dealing with stress much better now, organizing his life a little bit better. Uh, The counseling that he went through at Alchemist, I think, not only helped his gambling, but his personal life also. Good, good. Uh, I, I want to back up the, the time clock and go back to when you first found out that he had a problem and then he kind of you know, continued to gamble and continued to you know, disappoint his family. And that's one of the things that we have to try to come to terms with, the fact that we're not only hurting ourselves, we're hurting the people that love us the most, you know, his mom, his dad, I'm sure his brothers and the other friends in his life that watched him going down this terrible spiral. Can you describe to our audience how devastating that is to your family and to you as a dad, watching your son go through that stuff, knowing that he's lying to you and knowing that you can't help him? You used the right word. It was devastating. Uh, when you feel helpless and sometimes hopeless, uh, I think my wife and I were fighting depression ourselves. Uh, it was a terrible, it's been a terrible time. Uh, my wife is gone and, and it's still a terrible time for me because of the unknown. I, I don't know. We are talking to Bob, whose son is a compulsive gambler. And uh, we'll continue on just after this on Hello, My Name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. 
Welcome back to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Of course, Evan Roberts coming up at the top of the hour at 10 o'clock. Uh, really uh, thrilled to be joined by Bob, who's the father of a compulsive gambler and is sharing a very emotional story about how he found out that his son had a problem and the emotional devastation it caused his family. Let me flip to you first, though, here, Dan. Dan Trelauer, of course, is always from the Council on Compulsive Gambler. 800 Gambler is the best way to reach he and his staff. We uh, talk a lot about the gambler, him or herself, and how we need help. But, you know, that also goes to the family as well. What does a family do, like Bob's family? How do they get help? Who do they reach out to? Yeah, Bob really highlights an important issue that we see oftentimes. Is we're so laser-focused on the person who's struggling with the addiction, whether it's drugs or alcohol or gambling or anything. And sometimes the family comes through as the you know secondary thought. But that the family is the uh, core support service and the network for when the person who struggles with addiction like gambling comes back. You know, when the person returns from Algamus or – they're battling on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. They need a support network. They need those life skills. They need all those skills and help. And relationships matter. And good, strong social relationships. Family members do have support. In the state of New Jersey, we have a network of treatment providers that treat both the gambler as well as the loved one or family member. And that can be accessed by calling 800 Gambler. We'll provide you with a resource in your area. Also, the 12-step fellowships. You know, we, we've talked about Gamblers Anonymous. There's also a fellowship for the loved ones and family members called Gammonon, which helps the loved ones come to terms with their loved one's gambling addiction. So there are resources out there, and we never want to forget about the family member because the impact, as Bob is sharing, is just so tremendous. Yeah, I will say my family went to Gammonon, and it was a very powerful uh, experience for them because they got to meet other folks like themselves, Bob, who uh, you know were devastated by the actions of a loved one, you know, and that's ultimately uh, you know what it is. Have you learned to trust your son again, or is that still a work in progress? It's a it's a work in progress, but I also have to tell him how proud I am of him for the steps that he's taken. He's still going to a private counselor. Uh, he speaks to people from Algamus weekly, uh, and he seems to be really trying. So I want to give him some kudos for doing that also. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, as much as he's an adult and you don't have to pat an adult on the back, he's an addict and he's taking the steps. And, you know, we can all argue, you know, you should have taken the steps early. It took him too long. He took them and he's still alive and he's uh, making uh, taking steps towards recovery and towards being you know, a complete person again and being you know the son that his dad can trust. And I agree with you. He does deserve a pat on the back. He really does. Yeah. And, you know, it's I, I got to give a shout out to Dan because uh, he was very, very helpful in helping me to get my son the help that he needed. And uh, and he's still on board so I can go to him and, and talk to him about things that are coming up. Sure. So I, I really appreciate Dan when, and what he's done. When you look back, and you look back now with total clarity, knowing that your son has a problem, were there signs that maybe you guys just missed because, you know, it's life, life's going on pretty fast for all of us? Were there changes in his behavior, changes in uh, how he, you know, interacted with, you know, your family when you look back on it now? I'm glad you brought that up because that's really important uh, to look at some of the signs, uh, being on the phone all the time, uh, leaving the room when we were in the middle of dinner, he had to leave the room. Uh, 
his personality was changing a little bit. He seemed to be very uh, short-fused about things, uh, little highs and lows that we saw uh, were normal for him. And uh, so changes in behavior, changes in personality, uh, looking back, we saw those things, but didn't put it all together. Got it. And how about your other sons? Uh, how have they been throughout this process? Well, first, they were very angry with him uh, for causing us so much, you know, an issue for the parents. Uh, but then they finally understood that it was a disease and they became very supportive and they were very helpful in helping him to make the decision to go to Algamas. Got it. Well, before we let you go, I think it's important to allow you to say anything else that you want to say to families out there that might have a loved one that they think might have a problem or you're noticing a change in behavior that makes them wonder, you know, how to approach a, a child, especially now with, you know, the proliferation of online gambling. You don't, have to, you don't have to leave the house to gamble. You can do it right on your phone, as you said. What would your message be to other moms and dads out there before we let you go today? Don't be afraid to ask questions. And don't stop with just a, an obtuse answer. Try to get as specific as possible. Keep asking questions. Keep the lines of communication open. It's really important. And Dan, how big a problem is the phone when it comes to gambling as you guys are taking more and more calls at 800 gambler is there a higher percentage now coming in from younger people who have maybe never walked inside a casino yes we're seeing uh, just last month alone last week we received our our january call data and the intake calls we received roughly 48 percent of all of our intake calls for people needing help or assistance came in the, uh, because their primary gambling was either internet gambling on casino or sports betting. And and we know most people, over 90% of all wagers in the state of New Jersey are being done via mobile device. So we're seeing a younger demographic and we're seeing, even, even last night, Craig, I was on the phone with a family member of a teenager who was tied up in some activity, including day trading, gambling, yeah. right? So we're seeing it, it's so prevalent right now. And the timing for today and the conversation is, is important because next week starts Problem Gambling Awareness Month. The month of March is nationally recognized as Problem Gambling Awareness Month. And to Bob's point, in New Jersey, we are asking people to simply have the conversation because Bob said it. Have a conversation. Get answers. Don't stop with just a simple answer. Drill down and, and just foster and facilitate that conversation. Uh, it's important. It could save someone's life. And, Bob, I want to say this to you. Um, I want to tell you that I'm sorry because you represent to me, my dad, you know, and my family and hearing you talk, you know, I know I put them through hell. I know I did. And, you know, of course my stuff played out so publicly in the newspapers and I wound up in a courtroom and going to prison. But, uh, I want to say on behalf of your son, I'm sorry. Cause when we're knee deep in it, when I was, I had no regard for how my dad felt, how my mom felt how my family felt. I was uh, egotistical, selfish, and it was all about me. And I imagine your son was probably the same way. And the behavior of leaving the room, you know, the phone was attached to your hand, all those things, I did all that. And, you know, I'm sorry. And uh, I'm sure your son at some point, I know he has already, will express that to you time and time again. Uh, I recognize what I put my dad through and my family through by hearing your story. And I just want to let you know that I'm sorry. 
thank thank you for that. Uh, I, I know he is also. He's really a good guy, and uh, he's a real family person, and loved his mother very much, and and the loss was very traumatic. So I, I know he's sorry. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I think your message is a very important one to be told, and I can't thank you enough for uh, being willing to uh, to share it with us. Sorry for the loss of your wife as well. And by all means, please stay in touch. We appreciate your time today. Thank you for the opportunity to bring this to the attention of people. It's a very important message you're giving to people. Uh, I, it will make a difference. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it very, very much. Dan, I know you've heard those types of calls before. To be completely honest, I haven't. And that's why I wanted to apologize to him on behalf of his son. Because it's just a reminder to me of taking stock of all the damage and all the hurt I caused. And I'm sure, you know, you've heard those calls. You've been on those calls. But, man, that was so powerful and so raw to me. Yeah, you know, and I've been on the same end you have, Craig. You know, we've both done that to our family and our loved ones and people that care about us. And we just didn't care. You know, the addiction is so strong. All all I cared about was just that next bet. And every time I take a call, they're they're just so unique and special in their own way, and it doesn't get any easier. And, you know, Bob said something that really reminds me that the loved one of someone who struggles with a gambling addiction, you always love the person, but just don't love their behavior. There's a distinct difference. And it's really hard in the moment to tell, you know, your loved one to still love the person who's hurting them. Right. But, but, but the Gammonon principles will, will teach, you know, you love the person, not the behavior. And, and also Bob knows that, that he didn't cause the issue. He can't cure the issue and he can't control the issue. And that's important for a, a family member to hear that today, that, you want to really love the person because they're a good person. They're a person first, but you don't love or condone the behavior that's destructive. I think, to be completely honest, you also have to recognize there are some relationships you never get back to. You know, there's some 100%. relationships that are forever changed and will never be the same again with family members and friends. I mean, I'm, I'm living it. They, no matter how many times you say you're sorry, no matter how many times you think you've made right, there are some relationships that sadly are never ever fully repaired or you know repaired at all. And you know that's a fact unfortunately I'm living with in my life currently and it's very very uh sad. It's very uh, hurtful, it's very frustrating, but it's all because of what we did. And one of the things that I'm to be completely transparent as I try to be on this show and on you know the afternoon show I do with Evan Roberts Monday to Friday 2 to 7 is be honest and be transparent. I have lost relationships, really, really good ones, that I just thought, oh, once I'm back and once I'm living my life the right way and I'm being honest and take ownership of what I did, well, the relationship will just kind of rebound. And sadly, that's not the case. And I'm, I'm having a very tough time coming to terms with that in with a number of relationships in my life where I just assumed and thought, oh, that person will be there. We'll figure it out. And I'm living proof, sadly, that that is not the case. It's not. That, that was something I had a hard time coming to grips with as well. And I remember I, I, I thought about it differently when I was working with a pastor within an addiction ministry that I was helping to facilitate at the church that I worship up in northern New Jersey. And he said to me one time, he says, friendships come in three forms. Sometimes you have them for a reason. Sometimes you have them for a season. And sometimes you have them for a lifetime. And I had never thought about friendship in that capacity before. And, and because of the actions that I took, just like you, 
You know, and even on even if people who don't struggle with addiction, sometimes you just have friends in your life for a particular reason. Sometimes they last for a number of years, like for a season. And sometimes you do have friends for a lifetime. And those are the ones that in recovery from addiction, the lifetime friends, those are the friends that you really lean on. And those are the ones who really extend that grace or just are there as support networks. And sadly, those are the ones that we hurt the most. So all the time. Well, listen, we uh, we appreciate you letting us into your uh, cars and home speakers and computers and, of course, on the radio. It's every Saturday morning from 930 to 10. Dan Trelaro, the uh, main man when it comes to helping folks with uh, gambling issues, by all means, reach out. 800-GAMBLER. They are the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey. Great job, as always, Danny. Now, listen, next week, March, which brings not only gambling awareness, but, of course, March Madness, we'll go into it uh, in-depth and look forward to having you back on the show next Saturday. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and thanks for coming on, as always. Thank you very much for having me, Craig. Look forward to it next week. Evan Roberts is next, and then Evan and I together Monday afternoon at 2 o'clock. Thank you for listening to Hello, My Name is Craig. You can download the podcast or listen anytime on demand via all the different platforms that we have here at Entercom. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you.